very warm welcome to the Red Voices Manchester United podcast. It's Wednesday night and United have just ground out what feels like a hugely vital and somewhat undeserved win at home to Watford. Capping off a quite wonderful week that has seen progress in both cup competitions the club are still in and now finds United even on points with fourth place City. And how unlikely does that seem a couple of weeks ago? Joining me to bask in a rare period of joy is my main man, Kevin. How you doing, buddy? Yeah, I'm good, mate. Um, I don't quite trust it. I've got mixed feelings about everything. I, I want to be all joyful, but I think, uh, yeah, I think this season has ruined me a little bit. So <laughs> trying to enjoy it, hoping uh, that it's not a downturn in fortunes around the corner. But for now, oof, a rare moment, a rare week or eight days of breathing space and relief in what has been a very difficult season. Absolutely. That's the rich in you talking for the most part, though, isn't it? <laughs> well, you know, he's always with us in spirit. He is. I like that about him. Now, how, how are you in general, though, my friend? Yeah, I'm good, man. It's uh, been a busy, busy old period in life at the moment. But, oh, you know, I've missed... Uh, it's been a couple of weeks now since I've been on one of these, and it's uh, it's good to be back. I've missed the old pod, you know? It has been. Guys, thank you very much for your patience over the last couple of weeks. Life can invariably get in the way, as I'm sure you all understand. So we've got a lot to cover. So let's get right to it. Let's uh, drop back to the middle of February. Thursday 18th to be exact. And that wonderful round of 32 first leg in the Europa League, Kev, against Michelin. Now it's going to make a nice contrast to some of the higher points of the games we've got to cover tonight. But So we'll start off with the very worst one. Um, Based on what we saw in that second leg, is it fair to say that this is one of our worst results in recent memory, if not the very worst? Yeah, <laughs> it's, uh, <laughs> it's as bad as the Leicester result. It's as bad as the MK Dons result, arguably. Um, though that Leicester result is quite good in retrospect, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's it's just, I guess, the reason. I mean, as standalone results, perhaps you could argue that the MK Dons result was more. Uh, I guess shambolic, but you know, I guess that's those kind of upsets happen semi frequently in in English cup competitions. I mean, to lose in the manner we did against, you know, a, a team a good three or four levels below us, if we were going to talk in terms of league level, it was embarrassing, and it felt like. And just when you thought it couldn't get any worse, it was that it was that moment, wasn't it? Yeah, well, it just came hot in the heels after that really bad Sunderland game, and that was the last time we recorded. And you know, at that point, we were all quite low, and we were saying after that podcast, you know, we think top four's gone. We don't think that we're up to the challenge of chasing the teams down above us when you know those slips invariably happen. And the mood very much carried on in that game. You know, we we were outplayed completely. You know, it's just pretty much from the off. You know, we were second to most balls. We didn't look up for it. We really struggled to find the impetus to actually just get through that game. I know we took the lead with uh, Memphis's uh, slightly scrappy goal in the first half, but you know, pegged back before half time with that Sisto goal, and then uh, only watch you with the goal towards the end. You know, it it was. I mean, they absolutely deserved it. Let's make that completely clear, didn't yeah. they? Yeah, they did. They 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 were the only team that was sort of even there you know we were, we were we were just going through the motions and you know for me at the time it just felt like a very telling uh example of how seriously van hall was taking the europa league now i guess in retrospect you could argue something different i remember in the build-up to the game in the immediate sort of hours before kickoff absolutely slaughtering van hall for uh 
the squad he'd brought, not realising that the people whose omission I was bemoaning were all injured. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I told you that, didn't I? Yeah. Yeah, I was so... like, God, he's not taking this seriously. Kev, there's no one else. Like... <laughs> but, I mean, I think you can be forgiven for looking at that squad and, and saying, has it really come to this? Um, but... Well, obviously in the warm-up as well, Dave getting injured. Oh, yeah. yeah. And to be fair, I mean, I was playing all sorts of nightmare scenarios in my head when uh, I realised Romero was going to be playing. But he was actually somehow one of the least shambolic players on the pitch that night wearing United shirt. Sergio is probably the most consistent and the the least worth worry in the entire evening. He pulled <laughs> off some stunning saves. Yeah, he's, he's fully deserving of the adopted Radamel Falcao lo, 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 chant, and I'm glad it's finally found a suitable home. Yeah, he seems like a lovely bloke as well. But I mean, I mean let's be completely honest. The scoreline could have been a lot worse were it not for him. We were not at the races. And, you know, you're thinking back to the way that match ended with the away end, uh, and you're fine to bleak this if you want, chanting, we're fucking shit repeatedly. It certainly made its mark. It's uh, it's really interesting to sort of compare the mood. I mean, that wasn't even a fortnight ago now. We played four games since, and just the turnaround's incredible. And that sort of carried on, well, started, shall we say, in that... Uh, uh, League One defeat of sorry the FA Cup defeat of Shrewsbury, uh, League One Shrewsbury on uh, last Monday night. Now, um, you know it's often said that you know you sort of expect to win these games, but frequently with you know it's been the case with United, games that we expect to win are unwon, and it's one of those situations where it it, it just felt like a game that we just needed to get through for the most part, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean. I don't think anybody was entering. I think it was it was indicative of the sort of level of confidence around the place uh, in the build up to that game. That I think Mitchell was such a low point uh, that people were genuinely questioning whether we had it in us to beat Shrewsbury, <laughs> and it didn't seem like a ridiculous question to ask. Which again is rather telling. But in retrospect, you look at it now and you say they were probably the perfect people for us to play. Uh, the perfect team for us to play in the aftermath of a result such as that because we were clearly so much better than them even though we were not in great form ourselves and even though we were in a in a poor run of form and, and, and weren't firing on all cylinders, weren't firing on any cylinders in some capacities. Um, but it was a chance for us to, yeah, put on a sort of, relatively impressive performance and and take some ground back and and build up some confidence and when you i'm sure we'll get onto it a bit later but when you see the role the immediate couple of games after michelin play has played in the resurgence or i guess tentative resurgence of people like memphis uh then you realize how important those kind of games are and i'm certainly glad now looking back on it that we were playing shrewsbury and not Watford. <laughs> <laughs> oh Lord, that could have been a very difficult evening at Vicarage Road if that had been a different draw. I mean, yeah, it it wasn't fantastic. And to be fair, even though Memphis did amazingly three nights later and did very well against Arsenal, and again did quite well tonight, I thought at Shrewsbury because you know he again was just sort of coming back in the side, easing his way back in. And I think that was in particular perhaps he uh, underestimated the opponent and kept trying to do too much. It felt like he was trying to do it all himself. But you know. We got through the game. Uh, Smalling's goal, I'm still really not sure why he was there and what he was doing there. It was like David Lind against Derby, wasn't it? Um, and then Matters free kick. Uh, and then Lingard's lovely goal from Herrera's cross. on A, a goal on a break. Care for that yeah. third one. Yeah, yeah. It was uh, 
you're right. It it wasn't overly impressive, but I'd, it didn't need to be. It just needed to be routine. Just need to get done. It just needed yeah. to be a routine win, and it, ultimately that's what it was. I mean, it was one of those performances that we have often seen in the past when our team is full of people that haven't had a, a run out in months. You know, when you've seen the likes of Will Keane coming on and, and, and players like that, you know, who, bless him, is injured again. Yeah, well, that's a point worth making about Will Keane. Think about Martial getting injured in the warm-up on Thursday. If Will Keane doesn't mess up his groin trying to go for that shot, which was essentially his first touch, does Marcus Rashford start against Michelin? No, 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 of course he doesn't. No, no, it's why, incredible why it's all worked out, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's it's quite it's quite interesting actually. If you look back, and I'm going to digress slightly here, but if you look back across some of the sort more more sort of more encouraging moments of Van Hal's time at United, it's, it's remarkable how many of those are circumstances upon which he's just happened to stumble, as or or, or you know his hand has been forced in terms of team selection, or or you know he's had to throw somebody in before their time, and or, or you know as just not had certain players available and as a result there's been an upturn in form or upturn in fortunes um it rarely seems to be due to proactive decision making on the manager's part um so yeah there's a couple of interesting moments where you know it's it's just been taken out of his hands um yeah well with Di Maria sort of getting suspended against Arsenal for uh tugging the referee's shirt and then uh Obviously, Mata being brought in and making you know a position his own for the rest of the season and having a starring role in that mini revival that we had that sort of got us back into the top four and got us that Champions League spot. Again, this season, you could kind of say it's all down to the injuries and the time and place and obviously the incredible amount of luck that somehow managed to get Marcus Rashford into the squad. No, sorry, not on the team. The first, the squad. And then, you know, Martial pulling up in the warm-up for the second leg against Michelin. And then suddenly there he is, you know, starting a game, doing well, cutting inside confidently, having a you know, very, very good performance. But yeah, dealing with the uh, the, the ignominy of uh, that awful, awful goal that we conceded that put us 3-1 down with an away goal against our name in the second leg from Sister. I mean, he just sort of essentially tiptoed past two or three of our players. I remember seeing, I think it was either Daily Blind or Michael Carrick sort of sliding past him and... You know, it's one of those shots that went across Romero thinking, well, Dave saves that. But that was pretty much the only thing that Romero had to do all night, in fairness. You know, Memphis sort of shut the game on his back and, you know, was directly responsible for that butter of own goal that sort of leveled it on the night. And then in terms of the headline, Rashford pretty much took over after that, didn't he? Yeah, well, um, just, just on your point of, you know, well, on our point of circumstantial things as well. I mean, even just looking at the last four games now arguably tonight is a different discussion but look at how impressive Schneiderlin and Herrera have been in this recent upturn in form and there's no way that Herrera gets played in that midfield too with Schneiderlin if we don't have a defensive crisis that requires Michael Carrick to play at centre-back it just it just doesn't happen but particularly against Arsenal and against Michelin both Herrera and Schneiderlin excelled especially against Arsenal Schneiderlin was just and I think yeah there's there's a lot to be said for that we, we don't need two defensive midfielders <laughs> but I'm not going to go into a whole rant about it to, to, let's yeah Michelin yes Marcus Rashford Kev I gotta say it's probably my favourite moment of the season his his goals um, 
or, or, or should I say his his subs his his rise from nowhere. Like um, I'm not somebody who claims to have an intimate knowledge of our scouting system, but not our scouting system, our youth system. But even people who follow the under twenty ones with some sort of fervor would would not have an intimate knowledge of of you know the form of or the abilities of, of Marcus Rashford because we're talking about a player who's come and scored four goals in three games now and hadn't even really nailed down a place in the reserves let let alone be in contention for a first team spot so it's a uh, oh it's just remarkable it's it's so so I don't think there's anything more joyous than the academy kid gets thrown into the game and and gets the important goal or goals in this situation it's it's been yeah just a moment of pure unadulterated joy in in a very very in a season that is <laughs> lacking absolutely yeah it, it was a it was a strange one partially because it started me thinking about oh gosh it's absolutely perfect gay fernandez this the problem is that these sort of games don't come on very often poachers aren't really you know, a poacher and then the position of a poacher and being a fox in the box and essentially getting your foot on the end of a, a good cross across the uh, box isn't something that we've necessarily needed or prepared for or even provided for. But on that night, that second leg, it worked so, so well. I mean, I'm thinking back to that, that deep cross that Mata ran down and then just flashed it so well across the box for Rashford to tap in from close range to even at the tie. And then Varela with that sort of pullback and excellent cross. And then again, you know, Rashford on the half volley, just tapping in. Beautiful finishes, really well, really great composure, you know, set himself very well. And two goals in front of the Stratford end on what amounted to a very important night for United, given that at that stage, obviously, we were six points behind uh, City in fourth. And, you know, we were all saying Europa League is essentially our best bet at getting into the Champions League next season. Felt really huge. Yeah, it was. It was just great. <laughs> it's it's it always was good. Really, really, yeah, that's pretty good. Pretty good apt yeah. way of, uh, of of describing it, really, wasn't it? Yeah, it, it was incredibly fun to see him enjoy. You know, he's going straight over to his mates. I think a couple of them were also in the uh, the under twenty ones with him as well. So they were they had a wonderful time down there at the bottom of uh, corner of the south stand. Also, I think it was the moment at which about ninety five percent of the Manchester United fan base decided that the Europa League was now important. Um, Very much so. It definitely <laughs> feels more important. Now. Actually, no, that's a point worth discovering. We'll, we'll touch on those goals. Herrera getting that penalty, great, because who doesn't love a Herrera goal? And Memphis capping off what was a wonderful display, having absolutely ruined Romare on that uh, left flank. It was the closest I've ever felt to crying when playing football, or while whilst on the football pitch, I believe is the quote. And uh, bless him, he just got to a point where he was like, I'm just getting myself sent off. Yeah, I've had enough. <laughs> Game over. I'm going Bang. home. I'm leaving my ball here. You can have it. I don't want to play football anymore. <laughs> also known as the Karl Poborski uh, manoeuvre. Um, oh, but, yeah. bless him. Oh, oh, but no, Memphis absolutely deserved that. I mean, that was one of his best performances. And it was one of those things where I found myself thinking, well, that's great. You know, he played relatively well against Shrewsbury, played excellently against Michelin. But now you've got to do it against a really really good team in a very difficult situation with injuries still there you know I'm very unsettled back for and he's got to turn it on again and you know fair play he absolutely did but what I didn't expect I mean let's put it this way I didn't expect us to be that good on Sunday I did not expect Arsenal to be that shite yeah yeah no um I think 
it's it's important to celebrate every success and it was just really really good to see like they're just serial butlers aren't they <laughs> and it's it's it always seems to work out in our benefit like what is it 10 years now since they've last won at old trafford and it's 2006 2007 season was the last time they won i think it was adebayor scored and that was thomas kushak saving a penalty if i remember correctly right okay well if I'm if I'm an Arsenal fan, I'm just so frustrated because if they're not going to win the league this year, when are they going to win it? Because City, Chelsea, and United are nowhere near sort of winning, you know, competing at the moment at the very sort of top. I mean, City are, and we'll get onto this a little bit later, wrapped up in a battle for top fourth, top four, perhaps. Chelsea will probably come right back into that towards the latter part of the season, and United are well. We're not really anywhere, but um, it's just if I'm an Arsenal fan, I'm saying, what is it going to take for us to actually seize an opportunity? Um, there was a really good point made on the football ramble about it all, actually. In that, uh, actually, Arsenal are just having the same season they always have. It's just the standard of the rest of the league is is lower. Um, yeah, so. but they've all sort of crowded around them as opposed <laughs> to dropping them off. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it's um. It just seems to be the same as it always is for Arsenal. And if we had been playing an informed City team, an informed Chelsea team, an informed Liverpool team, pretty much any other team in the league that was informed, I wouldn't have been confident at all going into the Arsenal game. But because it's Arsenal and it's at Old Trafford, you just sort of feel you're always in with a chance. And they've got some sort of a mental block when it comes to the big games still. And regardless of United's league position or league form this year, United-Arsenal will always be a big game for both clubs. Um, yeah, I, I think it that kind of mentality and that kind of mental fragility really f- comes from the manager and permeates every aspect of that team. And you look back at the great Arsenal teams of 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 years gone by and they just had such steel about them, such mental steel. You think of even like... So you look at you know, like the, his first good team, his first great team with players like, you know, Mark Overmars or, or and just that, uh, Tony Adams and Ray Parler, Patrick Vieira, players like that, and and even even their more sort of flamboyant, express, beautiful football playing teams, people like Perez, Freddie Youngberg, Thierry Henry. Yes, they were really really good football players, but they were also really really determined and leaders. Enough talk about Arsenal. Uh, well, it's really, really easy to digress with Arsenal because it's such a fascinating subject because they just keep on failing. <laughs> it's incredible. Like, they are so well-versed in dropping off. You just think, I mean, we jokingly said after we lost to Bournemouth because Arsenal was so close to Leicester at the time that it could actually be their season because no one else seems to want it. Yeah. Turns out, not even they bloody want it. <laughs> it's, ugh, I, I can't get my head around it. I mean, they, again, they were lucky to get those two goals. I, I'm just thinking back to the, towards the end of the game on Sunday. I was so surprised. Like You talk about this calendar year for United. We have been in winning positions against Chelsea and Newcastle and given points away, you know, dropped to draws. And then gave away uh, what we were drawing with Southampton and just bottled it and conceded a late goal. And, you know, three games in which we dropped points late on. You're just thinking, well, it would be huge if we can just hold on and get through this. But there was no siege. There was no huge overwhelming pressure. There were no chances. Dave wasn't really put under a huge concerted amount of pressure. It's a very, very weird game. And, yeah, thinking back to the beginning as well, 
I think United, you know, despite the fact that we had, you know, Varela playing at right back and Carrick and Blind, two midfielders playing at centre back, I thought we acquitted ourselves surprisingly well. Yeah, it was just a continuation, really, of the Michelin game, wasn't it? It was the same sort of just balls to the wall attacking and and running and chasing after every every single ball. And I mean, there, I think there is something to be said for this idea that when you've got youth involved, they become so, yeah, just so excited by the occasion that they probably are not going to stick to the stringent tactical sort of uh, instructions that are put to them at all times and as a result you get a game that is far more open um, I mean Rashford he, and we saw it again tonight he, when he chases down you know defenders in possession of the ball you just think he can you just you have no idea he's so fast and then all of a sudden he's just like boom gone um, it was it was great it was a great start and it was a great result and you know they still scored two goals against us because we, we had no defence but yeah, I think it it needs to be taken with a pinch of salt in a certain extent because it was very much a story of Arsenal being really, really bad as much as it was us being really good. Very much so, but we think we can still take you know a lot of joy in those two Rashford first half goals because ah oh, they were wonderful. I mean Varela again. I mean they both came down that right side with him and Lingard were patrolling. I thought Varela got very nicely involved in both. I thought he was excellent. Well, considering uh, considering he got himself booked. Um, about 10 minutes into the game and he was playing against Alexis Sanchez um, he applied himself very well for the whole game Absolutely, I mean uh, Tim Fossey Mensa had a very similar thing tonight, you know, he was dealing with Igalo and Dini and he had a very difficult time with both of them Blind was good but not particularly helpful and he got a, a first half booking and you're thinking, well young lad uh, playing up against very physical, strong, fast players you're just thinking, oh you're worried about what's going to happen going forward. But they both dealt with it very, very well. I thought Varela on Sunday did a good job of keeping Sanchez pretty quiet. I'm excited about Tim Fosumensa. I mean, there's been pretty excited whispers about him since he showed up. I mean, he's only been at the club, what, a year and a half now. Um, showed up, and I'm probably going to be wrong on that, actually. But he's only been at the club quite a short amount of time. But there's been a good amount of buzz about him from the first um, moments that he's been here and you know people on my timeline that that follow United's academy and United's reserves with a lot more attention than I do um it's just been really really positive and my first sort of impressions of him um having caught sort of highlights of reserve and youth team fixtures um but really to be honest with you my first consistent look at him was was the was the Arsenal game and then tonight, and but straight away he just seemed really, really, just a really cool customer. Kind of like Martial when we first saw Martial, we just like nothing seems to phase this guy. He's just unflustered, very, very calm, and he doesn't look. He doesn't look. What is he? Eighteen? He doesn't look. He looks about twenty-seven. Um, so quite the quite the physical specimen as well. Um, cool, calm, composed. Uh, he, what he, what seems to be a really strong area of his game is the ability to relieve pressure on his team by taking the ball, bringing it up the field, holding on to it and passing and making a smart pass. Uh, it seems to be a particular strength of his game. Um, and some really, really good tackles tonight as well, which we'll get onto in a minute. Absolutely. Yeah, it's very, very encouraging that, I mean, a lot of the young lads that have come in, so we've missed out on Joe Riley, who played the second leg of the Michelin game and also played against Shrewsby, who I thought was excellent on that uh, left flank. I thought he did a very, very good job. 
But yeah, I think every single uh, academy player or under-21 player that's come into the, the team over the last couple of weeks, for the most part, has done really well. I mean, Donald Lover, the huge baptism of fire, and I think you know he didn't do perhaps as well as his colleagues did, but again, you know, it wasn't a complete disaster. And then often you can sort of look at the performance and the dedication and the focus and the drive of some of these players, the young lads that have come in. And in many ways, it doesn't reflect too well on the players they've replaced to a certain extent. Uh, I think they've outdone um, some, several of the players that, uh, that are you know, currently on the sidelines. I think it's been really interesting to watch that sort of different level of, uh, of effort and energy. I mean, obviously, they're going to have more energy because the younger lads and their legs aren't completely beaten to hell. But by that same token, I think there's, there's, a, there's an interesting sort of separation between the two of them at the minute. And I'm not necessarily saying that, you know, the older players have just given up or anything, but, you know, there's there's been a suggestion going around Twitter that the younger lads are just a bit more receptive to Van Hal's ideas because it allows them to be a bit more sort of expressive. They don't know their games as well as the older lads, so they're more willing to try things and, you know, take on board different instructions and be, just be a bit more flexible, I guess, which is an interesting point, you know. Is it that, though? Because the counterpoint to that, uh, which... It's probably a very simplistic point to make, but there may well be something in, is that it's often quite telling that it's the players that are freshly introduced into United team, having been out for a good while or having not had much exposure to first team football or first team training, or basically are new on the scene that are the ones that are coming in and looking exuberant and playing with freedom and playing with freedom of expression and, and attacking intent. I mean, there's a, there's, a, there's a theory that that's, and it might be a little unfair to the manager, but that's because he hasn't trained it out of them yet. Um, also combined with the idea that younger players are, I mean, there's one, there's one school of thought that younger players are more receptive in the long term to, uh, you know, tactical instruction and coaching, you know, ideas. And, and that's most likely true. But the, in the short term, um, they probably also take longer to get their heads around it and apply it in a in a complete sense. Um, so that could also lead to them playing with more freedom. Um, and might be Marcus Rashford, of course. Yeah. So I don't know. I've had a bit of a. I just think it's it's interesting that quite often, and we saw this when Jesse Lingard came in first as well. It's the players that haven't been consistently involved in the first team under Van Gaal that come in and are a breath of fresh air. Um, make of that what you will. But I, here's a question for you, actually. Sorry, I know we're needing to get on to the Arsenal game, but as soon as we're talking about younger players, um, Van Hal's getting a lot of credit for his quote-unquote willingness to give youth a chance. And there is the fact that he has been saying since day one that he wishes to operate with a smaller squad so he can give young players a chance. But on a case-by-case basis, it seems time and time again that the young players that are getting a chance are more due to Van Hal's hand being forced and, and injury being a factor. You think of Rashford, you think of the other sort of young players in the defence that have, like, if his first-choice players were fit, would he be resting them to give youth a chance? the same way as he is playing them when he has no other option. How much credit should Van Gaal be given for that? Because fundamentally, he has made the choice to operate with a small squad. But also, he's also seemed, whenever possible, to be making the choice to play that same 18 people over and over and over and over. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, I, th- I think you kind of got to look at it both ways. I think you've also... You've got to, on the one hand, give him the credit for 
giving these lads this chance and actually having the faith in them to play them. You know, obviously this, the situation is demanded that we do play them because we can't really play anyone else. Um, we have to start with 11 players and God knows we haven't got many of those around. So I mean, he does deserve credit for having the faith in them and operating with a small squad and, you know, thinking, well, you know, if, if the options uh, arise or the opportunity arises and, you know, we want to rest a couple of players because, you know, he, He's very much, you know, keeping an eye on their fitness levels and everything because it's a very, very busy schedule. You know, we've got games, you know, every three to four days at the moment, and that's not going to stop until the international break rolls up in a couple of weeks. And I'm pretty sure if we get past Liverpool, it'll just continue like that for most of the rest of the season. So there is that aspect to it, but you know, you, you hit the nail on the head. The flip side of that coin is that we wouldn't be seeing the likes of Rashford or Will Keane or you know, perhaps you know, Varela or anything if there weren't so many injuries and we certainly wouldn't be seeing them on this consistent a basis. You know, I think Varela started uh, last three, four games perhaps. And, you know, you think back before that, you know, his first appearance was a substitute appearance against West Ham before Christmas. And he sort of features sporadically after that, partially because Damian was back fit. And you're thinking how many more games would he have played this season if it weren't for the fact that, you know, our players are just so inconsistent with fitness and you know, they pick up these knocks during games and we have been very unlucky but on the flip side you know we have been operating with a very small squad and when you do that you leave the option for this to reoccur we had this last season with Van Gaal when he took over and the players were getting used to his training and everything and they you know, we did a lot of injuries then and again we've had this with Ferguson's time in charge as well we definitely had injury troubles when Moyes was in charge as well it's not a new thing for United to have a lot of injuries. Obviously, at the moment, it's pr- more than usual, for sure. But, you know, essentially, Van Gaal definitely deserves credit for the way in which the youngsters have come in because they've obviously been given confidence and, you know, been told to express themselves and do their best. And they're, they're, they're thriving. A lot of them are thriving at the moment. And it's wonderful to see. But on the flip side of that, it, as I said, I do feel like it's a very happy accident. It's very, very fortunate that they've done so well in the situation because it easily could have gone the complete opposite direction. So my thoughts on this are I would be far more likely to take what Van Hal is saying about his decision to play youth as a fact had I seen more evidence to support it. And what I mean by that is for me, if you make the choice to operate with a small squad and you decide that this is how you will operate, then you are rotating your young players into your team throughout the season whilst your first team players are fit. Now, now, now it may seem like we've had all of our players injured since the beginning of time, but we went through a sizable spell in the first half of this season where we didn't have everyone missing through injury. We went through quite a busy period. Um, where we had Champions League football and a couple of games of, of uh, League Cup football as well, um, as well as our league schedule. And we had a team of first-team players, many of whom had questionable injury records. We only had those 18 sort of players, really, without our, our youth players. So it would have been more feasible, it would have been just more believable that he was doing this by choice. If I saw those youth team players being rotated in for rotation to rest our, our players while they were fit and available. But actually, Guillermo Varela, Joe Riley, James Weir, Donald Glove, you know, the uh, Tim Fushimensa, 
these kind of players, Marcus Rashford, every single one of them almost, yeah, without exception, have been brought into matchday squads and subsequently into teams due to the absence of others, not by choice. So, I don't buy it, if I'm honest with you. No, but again, I, I think it. on the flip side of that... I don't do buy it, you. I, I can understand, <laughs> I know. You, but on the flip side of that, mate, at this stage, given what we've seen since you know Ferguson retired the last two and a half years, do we really want to look a gift horse in the mouth? You know, it, it, it's worked out. It, just about, you know, the last four games have been good to watch. Obviously, again, if we don't get a result at the Hawthorns on Sunday, it could all fall apart. And then obviously, if we get knocked out by Liverpool, everything could come crashing down. It's very tenuous. But at the moment, I'm willing to, you know, give Van Hal the benefit of the doubt to a certain extent, simply because United are scoring goals and winning games. And, <clears throat> and you know, we'll, we'll come to, you know, United's mental application in a little while. But there's been a shift for me that I've noticed over the last couple of weeks. And it looks like the team that Van Gaal's putting out looks mentally stronger. And whether that is uh, sort of a happy coincidence of the current situation, it's created a bit of a siege mentality, whether that is, uh, uh, you know, sort of the offset of Van Gaal, you know, being told that he's not going to be in charge next season or someone else coming in or whatever. I don't know, but... I'm happy enough to let that be for the time being. Plus, I really want to talk about Marcus Rashford's goals. Okay, well, I just want to... Just a final point on that. It, it just leaves a bitter taste in the mouth for me when you're seeing a manager stand up in, in his press conferences every week and in his post-match interviews every week and, and spout just flagrant nonsense. And, and to, <laughs> to, to say things such as, well, you know, you've brought a lot of young players through and he goes, yes, of course I have. It's the reason why I was hired. I'm sorry, but the reason he was hired was also to make us competitive at the higher levels of the table and in the competitions we were competing in. And yes, we may compete for the FA Cup and we may now compete for the Europa League, but they are still, in the context of the overall expectations of this season, not where we want to be competing. Um, and it's just con- it's very, very convenient for me. And it just doesn't feel like he's handling it with any degree of just being genuine and and you know from our conversations about Van Hal all along that I, I what I really would have loved to see from him more than anything is 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 some degree of humility about the situation that we have been in and are we doing well now yes but it's relatively speaking not absolutely speaking gosh i've been a miserable get talk you about, are. Talk, I mean, about you're Rashford's forgetting... goal. talk about you're Rashford's goal. you're also forgetting the fact that van Hal gave us his number one greatest moment Better than, yes, we go for it. Or, hey, pay attention to the manager. <laughs> that was a bit more Arnie than Van Gaal, wasn't it? <laughs> Didn't I? The all-time best moment of Van Gaal's tenure in charge at Manchester United, falling on his backside dramatically in front of... Is it Mike Dean? Yeah. <laughs> Just to lament the referee's performance and talking about diving, it was absolutely magical. I sort of saw it out of the corner of my eye, and for a minute, I genuinely thought Mike Dean had nutted him. <laughs> Mike Dean's look of contempt, and Wenger's just look of complete. What the flipping hell are you? Who are you? What are you doing on the floor, you stupid old man? It was absolutely wonderful. But that, I mean, that conversely, we will get to Ashford Gold finally, but that was the first time in several weeks, at least I noticed it, that. Uh, United 
chanted Louis van Gaal's Red and White Army. It's been a long time since we've heard that. For roughly 18 seconds. Exactly, but it was worth it. Anyway, Marcus Rashford, that first goal was excellently taken. And I think my favourite thing about it after Varela's cross, which Koscielny completely didn't deal with, was the fact that Jesse had to jump out of the way to make sure that he didn't accidentally knock it out of Rashford's path. Yeah, yeah, it was it was actually really good awareness from, from Jesse Lingard. Um, I think what I loved most about it was it just felt it was just the continuation of the fairy tale, wasn't it? It was just like... Ah, he he can do it in the league. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's what's known as the double Makeda. <laughs> Technically, the quadruple Makeda because Makeda got two goals in his uh in his first two games. That's very true. That's very true. And the second one was even better. I mean, again, not great defending by Arsenal by any stretch of the imagination. But you know, the, the, I think it was uh, Herrera who knocked the ball up for Varela. Varela somehow managed to hook it back behind him with a really very well taken header. And then, you know, Lingard's cross, no one marking Rashford, had about a good half metre either side of him, and he just nods it beyond uh, check. And I, I was just laughing my absolute head off at that point. It was better than I dared envisioned at that stage. I thought Arsenal were going to come to Old Trafford with a very, very clear and bloody-minded attitude and, you know, try and, you know, just get at us and try and punish us and... You know, I think some of them, you know, I think Arsenal fans were almost expecting, given the lineup and given the current state of play, that they, you know, try and dole out a hammering, perhaps to try and get some measure of revenge for the eight-two a couple of years ago. But it was just nowhere near that. I mean, obviously, Danny got that goal um, not long after our second goal, which was rather poorly defended. You know, Shuttle and Rocco just nowhere near him from that free kick, and he had a free header to not be on Dave, but. All throughout that game, I didn't really feel like, despite the tension towards the end, I never really felt like we were under that much pressure. Yeah, no, d- death, taxes, and United somehow managing to beat Arsenal despite the rest of the season being an absolute shambles. Absolutely. Every yeah. year, at, at Old Trafford, of course. Um, Absolutely. And Herrera's goal as well, because you know it's it great to see him score that penalty in midweek, but that goal, def- despite the rather large deflection, was so well worked. Well, I was watching it on a less-than-brilliant... Str- uh, <coughs> dodgy uh, television connection and um, <laughs> I was convinced he'd slotted it in the top corner like properly fletchered it into the top corner like in that 6-1 game against City uh, so I was rather disappointed when um, I realised that it had taken such a huge deflection but as you said earlier in, in the pod it's always really good to see Herrera score I, I, I just love watching him celebrate as well he's just, just the most excited man on the planet when he scores and it just it was just harking back to him going mental in the dugout, you know, uh, in the Watford game earlier on in the season. His whole and, face uh, lights up. It's beautiful. It's just yeah, he's just fun. He's he's a fun player to see score. He's just always yeah. So then again, Rashford with that wonderful touch. Just he did really well. A very good running for the ball. Held it up well. Waited for the opportunity to pass and did very very well to set Herrera up. Again, we did get lucky about the flexion, but I really don't care. You know, also made it a little bit uh, worrying towards the end uh, with his sort of grounded goal that sort of looped up over and into the net after, you know, it all came from Schneiderlin's terrible clearance, which just brought the pressure on and we didn't clear our lines properly. But again, after that, whilst there was definitely tension, because as I said, we've been in this position several times this season where, you know, we just need to grind out the game and keep a one goal lead. And we've not been able to do that. I thought for this time at least i thought we did a really good job of closing out the game for the most part and you know some of our touches i think you know matter and memphis were just having a field day down some of these things they, they absolutely loved 
winding Arsenal up and keeping the ball as the clock was winding down, which, again, you know, absolutely hilarious. Yeah, it was just... Oh, it's 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 good for the soul. Uh... It is, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> so, with uh, City uh, just about getting through that uh, Capital One Cup final on penalties, thanks to a magnificent performance from Willie Caballero, um, we made up ground to the point where we were on 44 points on Sunday and everyone has played again as of Wednesday night. Uh, everyone of the, well, all the top four failed to win. You know, Leicester have somehow managed to extend their lead by a single point despite drawing it home to West Brom. Spurs lost. Arsenal lost for a second time in a row. City lost for the third game in a row. And here we are on Wednesday night, the last game to cover. A scrappy, unimpressive, unconvincing, but thoroughly exhilarating 1-0 win. Yeah, I mean, at halftime, there was a lot of criticism um, of United's performance, and, and we were, <laughs> don't get me wrong, we were less than brilliant, let's just put it that way. Yeah, well, I think there was, a, there was a lot of upset, because primarily we thought perhaps we turned a corner, but again, you know, you realise after that first half that it wasn't quite as simple as that, and we were again... It's sort of going back to old habits to a certain extent. I think that was the big issue, wasn't it? Yeah, well, I mean, when when you go through as sort of treacherous a period or as uncomfortable as a period as we have been these last sort of year and a half under Van Hal, um, there's a tendency sometimes to think that every bad performance, even if it's only bad first half, is, is just reverting to type and, and all of a sudden everything has gone absolutely tits up again. And And you sometimes tend to forget that you know, even when we were winning Champions Leagues, we had games where we played absolutely terribly. Um, now, I've got a lot of sympathy for... Oh, well, I won't say sympathy, but there's certainly some mitigating circumstances at play. I mean, when you think of how threadbare our squad is at the moment, we're, we're playing our fourth game in about eight or nine days, and there was talk before the game even began of just how shattered and knackered our players were. and And it's not surprising because especially for our younger players as well, you're looking at it being quite mentally draining. And you look at the likes of the, the the senior players that are in the team as well then, if they've been the ones that have somehow managed to stay fit, they've not really had any games off. You look at Schneiderlin, Herrera, Mata, um, Martial, you know, the, these kind of players, with the exception of when they've maybe been injured, which none of them have really been injured for that long. They've featured extremely heavily. I mean, you know, taken into the context of, of the other players that have made their debut, uh, I think Martial's prodigious talent almost makes us forget that he's just turned 20. Um, and just because he's like a mainstay now, doesn't he? Yeah, but it's because he's he's a mainstay and he's successfully established himself in the first team as one of our best players. But he's still young. He's still very young. So, you know, I mean, Mata is 28 and was the oldest player in our team tonight. 27. 27. Okay, okay, well, that only serves to further highlight my point, um, being that I think we were knackered. <laughs> it's not the most eloquent point I've ever made, but I think that we were second to every ball, but as the game wore on, as as Watford tired out, suddenly we started looking a bit more involved. So I think there was definitely a difference in energy levels uh, as much as anything. Yeah, I, th- I think it was, um, you know... It- it was very, very easy to look at that first half, as you said, and just felt like it reverted to form. You know that we were again in a situation where, you know, as as the evening wore on, Arsenal were losing, 
City were getting hammered. They lost 3-0 at Anfield tonight, which is you know, a very, very, very strange season for City. And it'd be very, very interesting to see what happens if Guardiola takes over a side that, you know, touch wood, doesn't end up finishing off in the top four. <laughs> Pellegrini that just doesn't give a shit. absolutely hilarious. Pellegrini. I, don't, I don't think it's that he doesn't give a shit. I think <laughs> that he's sort of been prodded out in such a way that he's doing his best, but he's not going to be made to feel bad for how things are currently unfolding. Manuel, it's not going very well, is it? Don't care. Ask Pep. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, look, he's far more Marvellous. And I actually quite like Pellegrini. I think he's, oh, he's yeah, handled his situation with, uh, you know, a, a lot of class. And, um, yeah. you know, he's got very soulful eyes as well. I like them. <laughs> well, but yeah, I mean, that evening was very much about, I mean, uh, up until Juan's goal, it very much felt like here's a situation where we've got the teams above us and don't know where the goal's coming from. And admittedly, it did take an absolute moment of magic because, you know, Matter's free kick was absolutely beautiful. But, you know, we had a couple of chances before then. But for the most part, that game was feeling very much like another missed opportunity. And you're starting to think, all right, well, to a certain extent, this is just back to square on. This is two steps forward and, you know, one and a half steps back. And for it not to be that way, to have ground out that result against a very, very good Watford side who will feel aggrieved going back home tonight because they really should have won that game. You know, Igalo had two or three chances. You know, there's ones where Dave did a really good job to sort of stop it by his near post and put it out for a corner, but Igalo really, really should have uh, squared it for Dini. Watford really could have done better that tonight. They really could have walked away with a victory of two or three goals, perhaps if they'd been a bit sharper, if they were a better side. But, you know, they really favoured us tonight. And then when we had that opportunity, good God, did matter take it. Yeah, and <laughs> my overriding thought in the build-up to that was, please, please don't let Memphis take it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, my uh, completely legal way of watching the football match this evening uh, was several minutes behind pretty much everyone else on our Twitter feed. So the goal was spoiled for me about two minutes early, but you don't really care at that sort of stage. Absolutely. I know. I've got, well, what, what can I do? I don't know what's going on. But but Captain Juan also as well. That that really that really made me happy today to to see him get the armband. Obviously, you know, it was down to a lack of other sort of senior figures being available. And Carrick, I'm assuming he was rested because he's played a lot of football lately and he's not getting any younger. But it worked very well. It was really, really good to see him get the armband. I thought it was you know, it's difficult to say it was absolutely captain's performance, you know, but at the same time, I don't think that he did that. I don't think he did the role of the service. I thought, you know, he stepped up exactly when he needed to and delivered what could be a pretty big moment in our season. Yeah, I mean, you look at some of the key goals, like there's not been a huge amount of key, fundamentally important goals in our last three years, but um, Matt has been responsible for most of the handful of key goals we've had, uh, especially since Van Hal's taken over. And it's good to see him get a, a run in the centre of the pitch because he's just so much better place at number 10 than he is um, out on the right. He, he did well in that 4-3-3 uh, out on the right, but he's at, he's at nothing out on the right when he's when we're in this 4-2-3-1. Um, and also, he's just so much... He, he's a player who needs a lot, a lot of movement around him to, to excel at number 10, but he's our, he's our main recognised number 10. He, he is our best player in that position. And when he's got people like Rashford, Memphis and Martial running all around him, it gives him an opportunity to excel. And the link-up between him and Herrera right in the centre has been encouraging as well. So long may it continue. I think um, it is something of a 
I don't want to say blessing, but I'm glad that we don't have to worry about what happens if Rooney gets fit again anytime soon. Because for this little run of games, as important as Rooney has been in our last burst of form, um, it's been nice to see some of our younger players and our younger youthful forwards with a lot of movement um, just make us look a bit more attractive going forward. No, exactly. I think uh, in, in terms of what you said about Rooney not coming back, there's a chance that he's coming back this month. So, yes, I think that's what Van Hal said. So uh, that's something to look forward to. If we were getting the Rooney that was in good goal-scoring form back, great. But, you know, he's been off for a couple of weeks now and Rooney coming back off injury at this stage of his career, you know, even normally it'd take him a good couple of weeks to get back or a good run of games in order for him to actually get his touch and his sort of vision and his uh, his consistency back at this stage we could be looking at the start of next season so uh, you know it's nice to a certain extent to know that we've got players who have been able to step up during his absence but at the same time it does give me a bit of a worry going forward about what happens when he's fit and available because you know Van Hal's going to put him straight back in the side well Actually, uh, in, in, a word of defence for Van Hal is he, his, he is pretty good at leaving in players that are in good form. Well, um, Rashford tonight, for instance. Yes, yeah, you know, there would have been every reason to play Martial up front and pop Lingard out on the right. But, um, you know, fair play to him. He tends to be loyal to the players that are in form. Um, but, you know, Rooney's been the exception to the rule in many cases. Um, he may well again be in this one. Um, yeah, you know, it's... If he's your captain, I suppose it's hard to uh, hard to argue about him coming back in. But yeah, my concern, um, as as you said, is is just how long it takes him to get up the match sharpness again. Um, and I'm not sure, given the fact that top four is now arguably within reach again, we can afford to have somebody so off the pace for when we've only got eleven games left. Um, ten games, eleven games, ten games. I'm not sure. A handful of games left. Um. Yeah, so yeah, it'll be interesting to see. So, Kevin, here we are. Four games, one on the trot. A pretty mouth-watering uh, round of 16 tie against Liverpool in the Europa League coming up. I mean, to be fair, I think that's increased everyone's interest in the Europa League, having gotten that draw. Uh, let's see. A Premier League game on Sunday uh, against West Brom. And in between those two legs at uh, Old Trafford and Anfield against Liverpool, we've also got a FA Cup quarter-final home tie against West Ham. Win them all. Now. Win them all. Yes. Oh, yes, absolutely. <laughs> um, my question to you before I end off this evening. I mean, essentially, do you feel like we've turned a corner here? Do you feel like this is consistency? Or do you still feel like there's a sense of just waiting to see what happens in the next game before committing to feeling like things have changed at least, you know, semi-permanently. I don't feel I've really seen enough evidence to make a call on that because as beautiful as these last couple of games have been, you're looking at three games, so you're looking at Shrewsbury and Michelin, um, impressive performances, but you'd expect us to be considerably better than both of those levels of opposition. Um, the Arsenal game, as we discussed already, yes, we played well, but we also had <laughs> you know, Arsenal being terrible for some reason as a major factor in that game. And then tonight you have us not playing too well, um, but there being a lot of mitigating circumstances, chiefly just how busy our schedule has been. So it's hard for, to really predict 
how true this run of form is in terms of will it continue? Is it as a direct result of us improving or is it a combination of circumstances and a combination of variances in the level of opponent we've been facing? So now West Brom are not in great form themselves, are they? So, you know, it would it would sort of be nice to see us continue that form. Um is it is it a corner turned? Jury's still out. Um win against West Brom and knock Liverpool out of Europa League and all of a sudden we've got something left in this season that's worth watching. No, exactly. I think in terms of what this run has done, I think I think it's given, you know, the club and the fans a real sort of boost of optimism. You know, it's it's jolted us awake to a certain extent. It's these last four results have been good. The the football hasn't always been fantastic, but it's been on the whole good to watch. You know, we've we've had some great stories, had some really good results, some expected and some unexpected for sure. Um but again it, it's just one bad performance and one bad result away from you know being back in the mire. And And history would dictate it's not too far away before that happens either. Exactly. I mean this is four on the trot. I don't think we've managed that many times during Van Hal's tenure. I think this might be the sort of joint longest winning streak we've had under him. So, you know, if we win on West Brom that would I would guess our longest ever winning streak since he's taken over. Which, you know, is, is nothing to be sniffed at, but certainly not particularly fantastic. We've only managed it sort of twice in his, you know, one and a half plus seasons now. Now, I, I think for the most part, we've kind of got to look at, you know, t- it sounds like a, such a terrible cliche, but United do just genuinely have to take it one game at a time at this stage. It, you know? it raises an interesting question, though, about where do we focus our energies? Because a month and a half ago, you're saying don't even pay attention to the Europa League and FA Cup because we're right in the heat of a top four battle. Two weeks ago, you're saying focus all your energies on the FA Cup and the uh, the Europa League because the top four challenge is over. Now we've got an interesting situation where you're looking at between both campaigns, should they both be successful? About 12 games of each, do you focus on... the? If, if you win the Cups, you've got about 11 or 12 games to win both of those. If you want to qualify for the top four, uh, there's 11 games left in the Premier League season. We've got about 12 players. Where do you focus your energy? Because now... It's hard to tell which one is the best one to focus our energies on. Oh God, absolutely! I mean, you know, when we lost to Sunderland, we were all thinking, "Well, the teams above us are going to fail at some stage, and United just are not good enough to you know, pick up the slack." But we're in a situation where, I mean, City got Villa at the weekend, and Villa gave up in September to me, so they're down. That should be a <laughs> September two thousand and fourteen. Yeah, pretty much. I mean. You know, that should be a pretty straightforward three points for City, despite their, you know, sort of, you know, up and down form, shall we say. So you're looking at United then being three points further behind, but then potentially, you know, making that 47 each by the time we go to the Etihad for the last game before the international break on Sunday 20th. And that's our only league game, that West Brom game. And you're thinking immediately, should we manage to win that game? And then suddenly we're on, you know, we're three points ahead of City. Somehow we've turned it around. Obviously, we'll be behind on goal difference if City win that game in hand. But suddenly, we've just chucked ourselves back into that top four fight by pure virtue of having a good, you know, burst of form and City slipping up tremendously. You know, they've lost three on the bounce, and suddenly you're thinking, well, in a minute, we've got a cup final in the FA Cup. Thinking that's one game away from Wembley. We haven't been to Wembley for a meaningful game since we lost to City in the FA Cup semis in 2011. But you're also thinking. 
we're playing a Liverpool side who, despite you know playing pretty well against City uh, twice in the space of a week, are still very, very beatable. And that's a quarterfinal in you know European competition. And we haven't done very well in Europe for some years now. You're right. Where, where do we put our energy? You know, it's suddenly, you know, in the last sort of 10 days or so, transformed this entire situation to the point where there are positives to take out of almost every single situation. Is it ideal? No, we'd rather be in the Champions League. We'd rather be, you know, a lot closer to the top than we are. But considering what we've had this season, it's uh, a really quite positive spot to be in at the moment. Yeah. So looking at, you know, what I'd like to see at the end of this season happen. It would be great to be in the top four and, you know, obviously worry about Champions League qualification. That was my point. That was it. I was thinking in particular how much damage another Europa League season could do to our, you know, hopes of getting back up, you know, there or thereabouts, the top couple of positions in the Premier League and actually going for a big title charge this season. Spurs have done very well to navigate it. They've done a good job of keeping things fresh and challenging on as many fronts as they're currently in. But I think long term, United need to be thinking about getting into the Champions League and having that schedule back in their lives next season, as opposed to you know, sort of banking on the Europa League finish and still being, you know, there or thereabouts come May for the Premier League next season. I think it's more damaging to be in the Europa League, to be honest, with the schedule. Kevin, it's been an absolute pleasure, mate. Thank you very much for joining us. Guys, thank you very much for listening and for uh, for letting us get on with these last couple of weeks. It's been very much appreciated and we are really glad to be back. We will keep you posted in the next couple of weeks of our uh, upcoming episode schedule. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you very much. We hope you've enjoyed the last couple of weeks of football and we will speak to you soon. Thank you very much and good night.